0: Hey, this is James Jeffries here, Impact Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. And you're listening to Uncharted Territory. The best wrestling stories and wrestling news are on this podcast. Check us out, brother. It's real. everyone and welcome to episode 132 of the Uncharted Territory podcast. My name is Chad Olson coming to you tonight from Gilbert, Iowa with a very special episode of the Uncharted Uncharted Territory podcast. Tonight we're going to be looking at War Games 2091. Some might say it's the greatest edition of all time. Some might say it's not. We don't care what they say because we're going to tell you what we think of it tonight. But before we get started with that in-depth and and over-the-top and analytical and highly analytical review, let's go to Buffalo, New York, where Tim Dalton, the master of diagnostics with all laptops, is hanging out tonight. Tim, how are you?
1: I'm I'm doing well. I'm the, I'm certainly the master of something. Uh, what? I'm not sure. Oh boy, I don't mean but, to uh, beat you. Yeah, well, you know, I'm 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 pretty good at that too, from what I've heard. And, uh, you know, I mean, here in Buffalo, things are going well. It was uh, sunny today, about 65 degrees. Um, Looking at the 60s, high 60s, low 70s here coming up for the next uh, week or so. Very happy with that. Nice weather here in Buffalo. Destroyer Park Golf does open on May 13th, Saturday. Oh, yay! There you go. So that's going to be a big deal for me, as as I will probably be out there, uh, you know, whacking my balls around. So,
0: hey. Better out there than in your room. Yeah, that's true. All right. Very good. Uh, Stuart, how are you doing? Stuart Lowry in Virginia.
2: Stuart Lowry in Virginia is doing well. It was uh, about 70 degrees today. A little rainy, but uh, still not bad. A nice day in May. Uh, We're going to have a couple more days of maybe relatively cool temps, and then it's going to get up to the upper 80s, which is a foretaste of summer, which I don't like. But fine. So be it. It's May. It's going to happen. Looking forward to the discussion tonight and uh, I want to congratulate Tim Dalton on earning his junior IT badge before the show began.
0: Yes, yes, he's, he's very uh, essential in this uh, episode getting off the air. And finally, last but certainly not least, my baby brother Corey Olson up in Maplewood, Minnesota. Corey, how you doing?
3: I'm doing fine, Chad. Thank you for asking. Thank you for hosting. Hello, promoters in the Maplewood Twin Cities area. We had some lovely days here uh 70 degrees yesterday monday as we're recording and about 69 today as uh, we're recording uh, a little Uh-oh. bit cloudier i know i know chad sorry um but yeah and uh, some nice a nice couple days here uh might get some rain tonight we'll see see what happens uh friday we had uh, well my son had two track meets in a row and we got to see chad for a little bit he stopped uh, by on the way back from brainerd so it was great to see him for a little while and i was a uh, guest high jumper Yes, yes, he, he showed the showed the younguns how to do it right. I did. Um, and then the next night, uh, my son had another track meet, which is very rare to have two in a row. Um, he got through his 800, and about five minutes later, it just started downpouring. So they postponed the rest of the meet. They're hopefully going to have it this Friday uh, for the events that didn't didn't happen. Uh, but it's been been better the last few days, sunny and and nice and warm, starting to get in those nice spring temperatures. And I'm very happy to be back with you, promoters, here tonight.
0: Right. Very good. Um, yeah, the weather here, it's been, it's been warm. Very nice last couple of days in the mid-70s. It's still chilly in the morning, um, but the big story has been the continuance of rain. It rains all the time in Iowa. Uh, during the uh, road to Galacticon on Sunday, my wife texted me, said it's starting to hail outside. So I stepped out of the, the uh, discussion, ran upstairs so I could pull the cars in, and i got hit in the head with hail it hurt really bad i mean we had golf ball size hail so i have some dents on my head
1: um which one of the hail sisters was I it? i was, was gonna ask that <laughs> it, was,
0: it was lizzie Hale from hailstorm storm the band i think she's their aunt um so maybe not did you guys know i went to high school with the hail twins uncle
3: you told me that yeah,
0: yeah. i did not know that i mm-hmm. yeah one time uh We're at a show and this guy's walking up and Troy goes, hey, go introduce yourself to that guy. I think we're supposed to know him. (laughs) It was was their uncle. And I'm like, oh my God, I hadn't seen that guy since high school. So small world. So very good. Well, before we get to the uh, nuts and bolts of this episode, emphasis on nuts, um, we're going to talk about the Road to Galacticon, That was held on Sunday, May 7th and um there were some tournaments being played i don't think any of us were there on time for that because we were all worshiping the lord of our choice um but then uh later that afternoon uh they had a nice discussion with joe malenko and i think everyone but Corey was there for that i thought that was pretty good gentlemen any any thoughts on joe malenko and his discussion Stuart? i, I thought he was
2: good i mean i came in I might have missed the first two questions, but he's a pretty straight shooter—no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, strike that, please. Uh, he was. Uh, no, I thought. I thought Malenko was a lot of fun. Uh, we. I don't think we've had a dud yet on these interviews uh, with, with regards to these cons. And Malenko was was uh, certainly up to snuff in co- comparison to the other guys. I, I thought it was highly interesting. I really enjoyed it. Right. Tim, what'd you think?
1: Yeah, I came in a little late on that, uh, on the interview. I wanted to, to see it though. And uh, I thought Joe was great. I mean, he handled, you know, Sam walked him through a bunch of stuff, talked about a lot of different things that were going on in, in uh, his career and other people that he may have wrestled or known. And I thought, uh, I thought it was a great interview. I thought Joe was a, a great guy. We, uh, we met him out at uh, out at Waterloo and got to talk to him a little bit and just just super nice guy. Uh really looking forward to seeing him again.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is a great guy. I look forward to seeing him this summer. And he was announced as a pro prime participant in cycle two. So if you want to meet Joe Malenko, uh come to the TNT Hall of Fame uh celebration as part of the big Galacticon weekend. They're being held conjoined like a pair of twins attached at the skull. They each have their own brain. I, I, I'm. This is this is all the uh, analogy I got. Yeah, sorry. That's one for you guys to ponder. But anyways, come to Waterloo, Iowa for the TNT Hall of Fame and or Galacticon, and you can get your card autographed by Mister Joe Malenko. I'll uh, be there. <laughs> it was also announced that the first uh, competitor in the thez Hall of Fame set number four will be. Joe's father, Professor Boris Malenko, the great Malenko. Um, so that's, that's exciting. Some people thought, yeah, no, uh, no kidding. But you know what? I think it's cool to have him. He's a great wrestler. Um, it's been fun watching some of his matches and reading about him. And obviously Joe speaks about his dad in a lot of reverence. So what do you guys think about having Professor Boris in the game? Corey?
3: I oh, I just want to kind of go back when Joe Malenko first came to Waterloo about two years ago, yes. um, uh, you know, you weren't really, none of you, Chad or Troy, weren't aware that he was really coming. I mean, no, that because you saw the name Jody Simon and, you know, didn't make the connection at first. But, uh, you know, as we got to know him, very nice guy. And we, I think you got him signed pretty quickly, if I remember, Chad, if I remember correctly. Yes, um, I did. So, yeah, it's nice work.
1: Yeah. Um, but
3: I think, I think, I mean, I'm really excited about both Boris and Joe being in the game. Uh, Boris, just a little bit I've gotten to see of him, his matches. Um, just really, really cool style. And I love his interviews. Um, you know, he just, he just did this kind of a character voice and it was just really unique and everything and, uh, uh, really enjoy it. So look forward to having both of them in the game.
0: Yeah. It will be good to have them both in the game. And, um, you know, like you said, he, he cuts an incredible interview. He was a great wrestler, yeah. but I think he's more known, not more known, but also well remembered for his interview skills.
3: Yeah. Under underrated interview. Sure. There you go. Tim. Yeah, I think it's
1: I think it's really cool to have him in and kind of getting the whole, uh, you know, the family vibe with Joe. I think that's really cool. And having Debbie Malenko, I mean, who I know isn't related, but, you know, trained there. Uh, um, I, I think that's really neat. And, and uh, I'm, I'm looking for I think that should be a good that that should be an interesting card for him. Once we yeah. figure out what 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 moves he did. Well, we know a few moves that he did, but we know um, a few and I'll just yeah. reach out to Joe. Yep. That, we've got a great resource there uh, to yes, be sure. We yes, we do.
0: Stuart. I think it's
2: great to get Boris Malenko. Um, And ever since we had or you guys had signed him, I was been excited for him to have a card. So, you know, a a great or another Russian menace, but a real tough guy too. He was not afraid to bleed. That is for sure. So, looking forward to some matches with him, and great to have Joe along for the ride too. I I think it's great and uh, nice to have two out of well. We count Debbie Malenko, three out of four Malenkos. It's seventy-five uh, percent of the Malenko. Seventy-five percent, according to uh, our our in the group, Chad
1: also. Yes. So we're we I'm, are. I'm confirming that math right now. <laughs> okay, thank you, Tim. He's got his abacus out. For Tim
2: us. is running that on his abacus. Well, we should have confirmation in five minutes. But uh, no, I think it's great.
0: All right. Uh, then next uh, was announced as the Road to Galacticon special giveaway card was Nikita Bresnikov.
1: and we had a run in. Nikita too. He
0: did, yes, he showed up. And, he, and Tom talked to him for a while, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. Thoughts on Nikita Breznikov?
3: <laughs> well, you know, we were kind of discussing a, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, we made the comment a couple episodes ago before the road to Galacticon that we didn't know who the card was gonna be, and that was that was true. Uh, but after some emails back and forth with Mike and Todd and some ideas, you know, I think I think I made the suggestion maybe, or one of us did, for Nikita Brezhnikov. And uh um, you know it was all Mike you're right forgive me forgive me uh but uh no it, it was uh, just kind of one of those cards where well you know if you if you never got them in black and white now you can and if you missed him this time i mean you know maybe maybe there'll be more opportunities to get them, but it kind of fits that that sort of non-essential category uh but definitely really cool to get one of the original black and white legends cards now in color so all of the original you know six or seven or however many cards came out before the full set uh, have all been done in color now. Uh, Nikita, it was, you know, his card was so long ago that it was before the current setup of having the height weight, in hometown on there. So we had to ask him, how tall are you? What did you weigh in your prime and all that? And, and, you know, I, I don't believe the stats have been released yet. Correct. Not even online. Nope. Okay. So, you, you know, it, honestly, they're not going to be a lot of changes, but we did uh, talk to Nikita and get a few things uh, kind of switched around, shuffled up a little bit. And uh, And he was and added- helpful too yeah very very helpful. Nice. yeah very helpfully he, uh todd uh, communicated with him and um got some things so yeah it'll be a little a few little changes here from his original black and white card All right, very good
0: um and then also was announced the um for the champions of the galaxy line a uh, arena card for the centra palladium
2: and that was also
0: cool that was cool <laughs> Yeah, I, like I read
2: arena cards. They're certainly adding a nice flair to the game. I, I think it's awesome.
1: And and I think you know Mike had Mike had called me and was running through a couple different you know options to to come up with the card for the convention. And I said you know I said I think that one makes the most sense, especially with Future Shock coming out. I think it'll, yeah. it'll be really cool if people really like it.
3: Yeah, and uh, I've made, shared this the uh, the draft with uh, I think Chad and me. I think it's some really cool options and some things that make sense in the uh, in the Century Universe. Well, Stu and I know where we stand then.
0: I, I, I got nothing to say. I don't remember seeing it. I'll be honest. So now that we got through that awkwardness, let's get down to the uh, brass tacks of our review of War Games 2091. So War Games was the first set not to be called Invasion. It was released in um, about June of 1990. Um, invasion 3 which later became called Invasion 2090, had come out in uh, December before. So at that point, Tom had shifted to a December um, release schedule. And then with this one, he's like, nope, we're gonna do it in the summer when school's out. And then little did we know, a few weeks later at Galacticon, Tom would announce the shocking news that we would get two editions per year. But that is a tale for another time. For now, let's talk about War Games 2091. Um, very cool cover with Mayhem, Brute Massacre, the Guardsmen. So the uh, Aethrons are all on the on the cover. It says warning: Women and children stay indoors. The Gladiators are out to rule the War Games with a little help from Thantos and Crockett. Um, so yeah, let's uh let's, let's kind of talk about some of the characters. We're gonna kind of go like we normally do and walk through some of the characters. Uh,
1: Tim you want to talk first about Spike and Mayhem. Spike and Mayhem. So Spike who had been you know the the kind of the the singles guy for for most people in the gladiator uh, group had left and gone for his cleansing and came back. And when he came back by God he was not happy that the gladiators were associating with Kraken and Thantos and so he said screw you guys. I'm going to go be a hero. And so he wound up joining the good guy side um which i definitely did not expect and was quite a surprise when uh when i first found out about that um mayhem a former member of the aethran military who got kicked out of the aethran military now tell me how bad you got to be to get have that happen to you that's bad that that's he's 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 a bad man mm-hmm. um you know uh mayhem wound up becoming one of my favorite characters um looking it up i i i, I his singles record for me was 69 with ah. 49 losses and three draws. And he was the special match king of my fed forever. Um, he was always, if, if somebody else had the special matches title that I, that I had uh, it, it was temporary. And when he wanted to get it back, he would get it back. Um, one of my favorite characters of all time. And uh, uh, you know, th- this was just a great game edition. And, and, uh, and you know, you got, get two gladiators, one that that's doing the face turn. And then you got, you got mayhem coming at you. So what do you think guys? Two, two of my all-time favorite characters. Uh, when I first saw Mayhem's
2: artwork, I just, I just thought that was just absolutely fantastic. It's still one of my favorite drawings. I uh, love the chains, love the skull, love his expression, love the Jay Leno head. Uh, <coughs> Spike had become a favorite uh, in the earlier edition and is uh, a Hall of Famer for me. Uh, but Mayhem, I just, I, I still love Mayhem to this day, and I will still have the uh, feud between wolf and mayhem reignite every now and then because it's just one heck of a feud and just a lot of fun to play I, I just thought these were both spectacular drawings i mean there's hardly a dud in this bunch to begin with but there's these characters are iconic to me and uh i'll use them for as long as i play this game just really really love them
3: all right Corey. Yeah, I was really excited to have this new Spike card, you know, um, some big, big upgrades from his previous card. Um, I mean, and it, obviously his previous card was very tough too, but, um, you know, for especially for the time, having a minus one agility, and minus four power, and a plus four finisher, I mean, that was still pretty rare to have that high of a finisher at this point. Um, you know, he always did well for me. His title reigns weren't the longest, but he held the, the Galaxian, Interplanetary, and the Heavy Metal title at various times, and um, as I was looking up, he had some interplanetary reigns later on when he made that later comeback, like in the CPC years. Um, but with this card, you know, not not a lot of long reigns, but I do remember him. Uh, I, I did a, um, I would do Survivor Series type of matches every Thanksgiving. And he uh, once won a Survivor Series match, he was down four to one and he eliminated everybody with the Mega Destroyer to win it. <laughs> so that was just an awesome, you know, just awesome performance there and uh, mayhem too i always loved mayhem um you know i just love the automatic death jumping out of the ring and um i believe in the the reimagined version where they kind of tried to you know modify things to the current rules I think that was something they kept just because it was so you know unique and everything um i love the leap it really, it really
1: fit the character you know it did
3: it did it did all or nothing yeah, yeah. absolutely you know there's there's the balls few... out yeah. exactly you know, there's a few guys like if we ever signed for legends, a, a couple of guys I could maybe see doing that with if it would be allowed, but um, some some wild types. Uh, but uh the <laughs> but the leap of doom, you know, I always thought it was a cool finisher when I first read the description in the handbook and you know, just a diving headbutt to the floor. I'm like, this is crazy. Um, and, and again, you know, uh roll finisher, only the the second roll finisher. We'll see another one in the set too. Uh so this was still rare to have anybody get a plus five or plus six as even a possibility. Um, Mayhem had a, had a good um run for me as Galaxian champion later, much later on in like the uh um I think kind of the CPC era. He had about a four month reign, which was pretty good for me. Uh, a lot of, I had a lot of shorter reigns around that time as cards started getting tougher. So he had a, a good run there kind of near the end of his career. And um, when he was banished after sudden death, I used him in my secondary fed. I talked about the AFW a little bit and he had a, a good run there before he came back to the GWF. Um, just always, always loved Mayhem. Just I don't know, to me, kind of one of the more interesting gladiators. You know, a, little, a Wilder style and and hard hitting like everybody else, but just that more crazy style.
0: Thank you, Corey. You're welcome. um Yeah, I thought these guys were really. I, I like both of them. I was a Spike fan, so when he got his cleansing, um, and and got that upgrade. I thought that was pretty cool. I loved mayhem. I love the finisher sequence like you talked about, um, the the danger zone. And um I don't remember how much I actually had these guys feud because back then I was still kind of doing my own stuff, but I do remember one match um with them as a tag team, which stands out where they fought the new order, and um it held my like pin attempt record for many years with uh, 16. Um, and those two teams just beat the bejesus out of each other. So uh, both, both both were very cool. It was interesting to see this, the fracturing of the Aethern, something we might come back to a, a few times in Champions lore. And uh, the big super team with... Uh, um, what the hell are they called the crowd of uh, the unholy alliance like i could not remember the, i remembered the defenders of the galaxy but i could not think of the unholy alliance
1: you know one thing about spike too is I, I i thought that was just a huge upgrade on the art yes because i that was not one of my favorite chuck Carter drawings the original because he's got like you know hey spike why the long face right um yeah. because he's yeah. got that herman munster kind of looking thing going on but um but yeah, I really. I, another thing, I re- Spike never did much for me. Any version of him uh, in, in in my own fed, but um, I, I love the drawing and I love the card. It just didn't do that well for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, Spike held my heavyweight championship. I don't, I don't remember if Mayhem ever did. He was an interplanetary guy. Spike was definitely the most uh, successful of the gladiators and singles until a gentleman named Thunder came along, and that's a story for another time. So. Um, anyways, then we have uh next Corey's gonna talk about Justice and Lance Atlas.
3: Yeah, um, two other ones that became favorites of mine over time, you know. Justice, uh, he came in, he was uh part of that tag team with the Galactic Punisher, the Galactic Ops. They did really well for me. They had a six-month reign as the interplanetary tag team champions, and just love that team that you had these two guys who were good single stars uh working well together as a tag team. I mentioned with mayhem having the role finisher justice now also uh, roll finisher, the shock probation could work on one through five. So he had a possibility of a plus five, one of only three guys at the time who could get that high of a finisher um, really unique card with the level three down uh, the level three defense the three downs and a pin of one. And again, pin of one was, was still new. Only star warrior had that at this point. Um, so just a very, yeah very unique card. And of course here, we're at the point where the, the card generating rules hadn't really been fully flushed out. So he's got a choice H and a death jump. Uh, so, you know, didn't have a, a way to do out of the ring. Uh, he'd get that of course, later on, but um, no, i always loved justice. He had a, uh, as I said, good interplanetary run, not a lot of singles runs until later with his dark justice for me, but, uh, but always a good card uh, did, did well, had a lot of good matches. And Lance Atlas was a, a huge favorite of mine with this card. Um, he had a, a six month interplanetary title reign and I loved the, uh, the Martian manhandler, you know, was described as like a, a falling pile driver or a face first pile driver, I think. And so about the time I was bringing him in, you know, this is in the nineties and I kind of, I said, he did triple H's pedigree. <laughs> I just thought that'd be a cool finisher for him. And that's kind of what I saw it as. And, uh, he was beating everybody with that move in my fed, um, you know, just, uh, just a really cool character. And, uh, yeah, I always enjoyed him two really good heroes at this point in their career.
0: Okay, Stuart, what are your thoughts on these two gentlemen?
3: Loved both of these guys.
2: Uh still have, have always enjoyed Lance Atlas or Lance Atlas or however you say it, Atlas. Um uh, the uh
0: I, I wouldn't say it that way.
2: You though. wouldn't say it that way? No. Right. No. No. I'm st- no, I'm I'm going with Lance Atlas then. Road Atlas. Yeah, exactly. is that how you say
0: that?
1: <laughs> A Rand McNally Atlas.
2: That that hyphen just did something to me. Um Justice was fun because he could, you know, he was a bleeder. I mean, he could just, just die as a baby face with that defense. And that was, that was fun and novel. And while Justice hasn't done a whole lot for me in terms of titles, he's won at least an interplanetary championship. Uh, Lance has won. Uh, he did win a world title not too awful long ago. So he finally won the world strap. Uh, I love that card of all his cards. I love the 2091 card the best. I thought that was just a great drawing and. Again, as I said earlier, with the exception of one that I may be talking about, uh, there isn't really a dud in the bunch. And uh, I just I thought these were two very strong drawings and two very strong characters. All right, Tim, what do you think?
1: Well, for me, Justice is, was a Hall of Famer. right? I think I've got Hall of Famers that were um, by accomplishment and by accumulating, you know, some guys just accumulated wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but injustice wasn't one of those. I mean, his, you know, until he got to dark justice, I mean, his record wasn't that great. He was 44, 37 and two uh, for me, but he beat chaos twice uh, for the heavyweight title. And he won my galactic, my Galaxian cup, which was my big tag team tournament uh, twice, once with Lance Atlas and once with Wolf, um, which is something that, that, hardly anybody ever did. I think he and star warrior are the only ones that won it with different partners. Um, so really, really good for me. Um, Lance Atlas kind of the same way, except, uh, you know, he would have, he was like the streaky wrestler for me. He would have these great runs where he'd get like an interplanetary title and just hold it. And then he'd have times when he just couldn't win a match. Um, his record was 44 or 43 and, and 33. Um, But yeah, he he was just kind of up and down all the time. But uh, I I just love the character. I thought the whole backstory to the guy was great. Um, And and, yeah, both these guys were just really cool. I liked them them both very much. All right, very good. Um,
0: My experience with these two guys, Justice was, uh, I mean, both of them were really good. I don't think Lance ever held my Glaxon title. Both of them held my interplanetary title. And I know Justice was a Galaxian champion for me and they were both pretty versatile tag wrestlers as well um but yeah i think uh uh justice oh god i'm trying to think i, I can't remember who he won it from but I, I remember it being a really really awesome good match kind of a capstone to a long feud and lance atlas corey you said you did use the pedigree i used it as kind of the the tiger driver liger bomb type thing uh once i first saw Japanese wrestling and I'm like, oh yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do that instead, instead of this jumping running pile or everything. But I, I thought both characters were great. And like Stu said, I mean, there might be one, maybe two guys in here where you're a little, like, yeah. but I mean, overall, this is one of the most stacked sets of all time, just in terms of character development, not, not in terms of ranking, but just from low to high mid card or high card. They're just, just a great variety of guys. Yeah.
1: And even the guys that were kind of, eh, they, they, they all filled a niche. They all kind of filled a spot that needed to be filled at that time. Absolutely. Okay, now, Stuart, you're going to talk
0: about the Matador and the Serpent Unman. There's no hyphens, so I think he got this one.
2: I think, I think the Serpent Unman was given to me deliberately, as he's the closest thing to a green alien in this particular set. So Honestly, you know I did
0: not even think about that. They are just on the <laughs> same team. That's why I put him on there.
2: I will endure. Uh, Matador, another one of my all-time favorites. He's in my personal hall of fame. Uh, He's been a baby face and a a heel for me. That is a fantastic drawing. Uh, I I, I thought the color rendition of the other side we got not too long ago with the best of COTG was interesting too, but nothing's ever going to top this drawing by Chuck Carter for me. I thought that that Matador drawing is just fantastic and just nailed it. He was one of my favorite characters right out of the box, and that has not changed. Um, he has had some fantastic matches and rivalries for me over the years and will continue to do so. Uh, I'll use him for a stretch, and then I'll, uh, I won't for a long time, but I always come back to him, and I just he's just a fun character to use, fun character to run programs for, and just, again, that drawing was superb. And then we get to the serpent, Unman, which uh, spawned a, the Ballad of Reptillo. Did that start with the serpent, Unman, or was that um, before that? I can't remember.
0: I think I, Grant made it until after Doomsday. After
2: Unman became a, a yeah. thing. I think, uh, I think well, so. this was Reptillo that went through the Trans Evolver. Is that correct? Am I right on that? We'll just leave it at that.
0: <laughs> Not to become the Unman? No.
2: No. Oh. I, what happened to him? just,
0: just kind of went heel natural yeah. evolution he lost uh, his smile
2: <laughs> he lost his smile and he, he became a heel with Stop the, working uh, out. he it. lost a bat and that that's about all I have to say about serpent on man <laughs> he just was never a fave if he was one of your favorites i apologize but he just never did it for me neither, neither did reptillo but i am very happy that he was immortalized in grant's uh, wonderful ballad and we have that
0: So what are your thoughts on the doomsday creature?
2: (laughs) Didn't like him either and barely used him. (laughs)
3: Oh, Oh, sad.
0: I know. I mean, mean, someday we need to have a a sit down. Maybe we'll get a therapist on here and you can talk about green aliens
1: and why you don't like them.
0: (laughs) Apparently, I I I suspect something
1: happened to him as a child. Perhaps (laughs) he was abducted. I don't know. (laughs) The creature from
0: the Black Lagoon. (laughs) I think that was green, wasn't it?
1: It well was. It was a black and white movie, but I but, know, but I mean, it was in assumed my mind, green.
0: I, in my mind, you did. <clears throat>
1: now, was
2: Doomsday creatures trans evolved? Is that right? Yes. Okay, I yes. was one yes. one addition ahead. After he that lost
0: his good. smile, he became the unman, and then he got trans evolved into the Doomsday creature. Right. Got it. And didn't eat enough iron. <laughs> okay, Corey, what do you think about Matador and Serpent Unman?
3: Uh, I always loved Matador. Just a cool drawing, again, like Stu said. Um, you know, cool perspective. Um, I like that he really, you know, never had, like, a, a big upgrade, did he? Um, I mean, I you know he, got, he Matador? had... Matador? Yeah. He, never, no. had well, he never, never had an upgrade. Okay, that's what I thought, yeah. yeah he um, had a Classics card, but... Right, right, That yeah. was not an yeah. upgrade. Right, no, but never, never had a change in his stats, and that was just kind of cool. I mean, and this is a, a stacked card, again, for the time. Uh, plus three finisher, minus four agility, minus one power. Um, he had a couple of interplanetary reigns for me. One uh, kind of during the revolution years, it was about a six month reign. So another another good reign there. And never, never won the big belt for me, um, but just always top of the card and had a lot of wins over those top guys. Um, yeah, I always loved the Matador. You know, I was excited for Serpent Unman just because it was something different for Reptillo. And you saw his stats, you know, a stronger finisher. It looks like, oh, he's going to, gonna do a lot better than Reptillo and you know really didn't um still still pretty crummy guard overall but you know unique mechanic the first one to have this mechanic where a disqualification could lead to an injury for the opponent I always liked that thought that was a cool mm-hmm. uh cool cool feature and you know, a couple other guys would have that later on um and you know not to get too far ahead but I I was a doomsday creature fan uh but but he wasn't there yet so yeah not not uh one of my favorite cards. Stuart, you look like you had a, a, a addendum
2: I, I do have an addendum was matador's offense on level two other than massacre was he like the first one to have three he, he wasn't the first one okay. billy joe boxer was the first
3: uh, boxer right. was the first all automatic all right. uh, nothing you know all uncovered
2: all right thank you
0: but combined with a high-powered freaking plus finisher, three finish and- i mean yeah he was he was he was a great guy. I'll get to that in a minute. But Tim, what do you think about these, this gruesome uh, twosome?
1: Matador was. I I I thought that there was something going on with the storyline. You knew you knew there's more to him than meets the eye, kind of. You know, right. Um, and I think right. it was just kind of the great you know gateway for the third force to to you know enter the the GWF. I, I you know a couple of additions down. You know, an addition or two down the road. Um, really liked him. Thought the card was just when I looked at, it, I was like, "Holy crap, this guy's going to be really good." Um, yeah, he he was one of the, he's one of the top all-time win leaders in my in my GWF fed. Um, won just about every singles title you could possibly want to win. Um, just had and he had a great run too. I think when he started, he he, I, I want to say he won like 20 out of 21 matches or something like that. He just had a really amazing kickstart when he came in. Um, but really liked him a lot. Um, Unman, I, I didn't know quite what to think of the Unman. I don't think I used him a lot in my fed. Um, I was a Doomsday creature fan. I had I had a really interesting uh, uh, intro to for Doomsday, but I'll I'll talk about that at a later date. But um, but yeah, I mean I like both these guys. I, I thought they they lended something. It kind of was the the next evolution for Reptillo. So um, you know, like I said, you know maybe not the greatest card of all time, but you know what, it it served a purpose
0: indeed. Um, so for me, for me Matador was, I mean definitely a Hall of famer. Um, one of my top wrestlers, I think he held my Glaxon titles six times. Um, just just a stud. Um, he was he was incredible and I agree with you to that. That colorized card we got with the uh, Daryl Banks art was just fantastic with him looking the other way, but I think what made him so unique is he never did get another card. You know he never had a special edition, nothing so that was pretty awesome. Um, Super Unmanned, I mean, yeah, he sucked, but he uh, at least Tom was doing something with him, and um, you know, he kind of felt bad for him because he was being taken in by Raynard Beguile after he lost his smile. Um, and and definitely Matador, he just seemed a little too good to be with Raynard Beguile. So you you knew something, and that's no offense to the Bounty Hunter, because I love the Bounty Hunter, and he's a stud for me too, but it just seemed kind of odd that Raynard would have two guys of that caliber and not Bounty Hunter and two guys of the Unman's caliber. Okay, so next uh, we're going to talk about uh, two maybe kind of mid-card guys, but two guys I really, really both loved. Mr. Galaxy and and Vlad Hammer. Uh, Mr. Galaxy was a, a great addition for Vanity, um i love the fact that he had his muscle ripper was kind of a uh, a weapon against the spine cracker you know they were they were they were similar but not exact but they both involved sitting down on somebody and pulling on them either their chin or their arms and trying to rip them out of the socket uh vlad hammer i loved his amateur credentials the and i mean there's a guy that i think had such a cool character evolution if you look for him from the start of that card through, through Gemini, through Hammer and Powerhouse, and then um, when he became uh, a, a Russian character in the CPC. I mean, he already was a Russian, but you know what I mean? He he embraced his Russian-ness. He returned to his roots. Quit laughing, Tim. Um, he became my, more Russian than he, he was before. He became even before. more Russian. He teamed with the Wooly Bully Man that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, my only complaint about him was his tag finisher, because... Vlad hammer was doing the roll up so he but he was the illegal man based on the finisher tag finisher rules that were discussed um i think it was just the uh the set prior to invasion 2090 where tom said that if you were the guy with the tag finisher on your card you hit it and then you tagged out so that was something that you know i just adapted but uh got over it but I, i i love both of these guys just just fantastic
3: characters Corey. i mean i agree both great characters long term um like you said vlad hammer um you know looking at my title histories really quickly here he and adam blast didn't didn't hold either of the tag team titles uh but i remember liking the card and and his later incarnations would do really well for me so i really really enjoyed just thought like you said just a cool progression of his character um with the tag finisher that always bugged me too and i just said they just kind of switched places you know as far as what was in the handbook i liked the move what was it, it was like a drop kick into a roll-up is that what it was
0: it was and i just i had a problem of lad hammer being the amateur or well, doing the drop kick so later i don't you know, do like a german suplex type thing true
3: but the the only thing is you know he's got a couple of these moves here where it's like oh acrobatic cannon aerial attack you know yeah. that's not as not as amateur. So I thought he's yeah, he's an amateur, that's true. but he's got a few a few high fly, you know, like Kurt Angle does a moonsault. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of how I saw him. Um, Mr. Galaxy, I i had forgotten how well he did for me, especially with Vanity with Vanity's later upgraded card. Mm-hmm. Um, they were interplanetary champs and actually never lost the belts because vanity got banished after sudden death. Um, mm. so I didn't, I just I, I I wanted to kind of have that have that happen to somebody with the sudden death where somebody got stripped of a title because they had to leave the fed <laughs> right um and i never i liked what you said there about the muscle revert being similar to the spine cracker that that's a really cool comparison i always thought it was cool that you know like rick rude would do a camel clutch you know this is the right you know, obviously mr galaxy very inspired by rick rude and he kind of did a variation of it too here um just thought that was a really cool thing and showcased his power and Uh, you know, just, I could see him being very arrogant as he's pulling on the guy's arms and trying to make him submit in a humiliating fashion, but no, uh, and, you know, we talked about how loaded this set was, obviously these guys aren't as strong, you know, singles wise and everything, but just really cool characters. And like, I think it was Tim, Tim said it earlier, kind of filling some spots that were needed. So really cool. Love these guys. Um, just two great characters long-term
0: yeah title wise i forgot to mention mr galaxy i remember him upsetting lord nexus for the interplanetary title and wow, wow. He, he eventually uh lost it back to him but he had he had a little short reign uh galaxy and vanity were good as the interplanetary tag champs um and then um you know we didn't talk about his character progression as dynamo mm, yeah and, and him teaming with um Choppermatic. Choppermatic Chopper. as power, mm-hmm. as Powerhouse. And then later, Chopper became Powerhouse and teamed yep, with Vlad powerhouse, Yeah, yep, yep. so um, yeah, it was it was uh, it, it was a good progression for him. And uh, Hammer and Adam Blast did hold my interplanetary tag titles, um, but didn't didn't do too much other than that. So, Tim, what do you think about these guys?
1: You know, I thought these were like 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 you know we were talking about these are two guys that filled a spot because Vanity needed something to keep him relevant, um, and, and Vlad Hammer just filled a good spot, you know, with, with Adam Blast since, you know, Sam was going to be part of that whole uh, um, you know, war games thing. Um, But uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed both of these guys. I like, again, I I had the same, you know, kind of misgivings about Vlad hammer that I, that you guys did. Whereas, you know, his, his, uh, um, his amateur style didn't seem that amateur Mm -hmm. Uh, um, and Mr. Galaxy was just a good foil, you know, for, for vanity and and I, I think uh probably had more more success i mean neither of them did a lot in singles for me um but i think both teams had some had some tag team success but i don't think they you know burned the house down or anything um but yeah both both really good characters and and uh like i said you know kind of filled that void that that was kind of needed in this set all right Stu.
2: well i i'll echo the comments that have already been made here uh, mr galaxy and vanity the awesome studs have been a fun tag team ever since they began for me. I just, I love going back to them. They've never won one title for me, but they've been involved in some fun feuds and it's just always a, just a blast to use them. I believe Mr. Galaxy won an interplanetary title for me. I'd have to go back and check, but I, I think that rings true. And he had with the double finishers, the capability to pull off an upset in mm-hmm. singles. So he, he wasn't, a, you know, wasn't, wasn't a complete slouch as a singles competitor. Uh, Vlad Hammer, again, he and Blast did not win any titles for me, but that was a fun, fun tag team. Um, And I I liked Vlad's artwork as well. Uh, I just, I I, I liked that drawing right from the get-go and just thought they were, you know, two more strong characters in in a very, very strong set.
0: Okay. Now uh, we're getting down to uh, each of us. we looking at one character, Uh, Tim, the guardsman
1: bite bite yeah with the guardsman with the sewed shut mouth with the bite on the card that was always a classic um so the guardsman basically was a an aetheran war prisoner uh when they took over these various worlds they they would keep these prisoners of war and he was one of them that they kind of sewed his mouth shut uh like they did all their prisoners of war apparently and uh turned him into like a bodyguard for the team because they figured hey you know, we're going to have all these. we're going to be going in this war games thing. We're going to have guys who going to be at ringside against us. We're going to have guys like spike on the other team, wolf on the other team that are going to be coming at us. So we got to get something going. So, uh, um, enter the guardsman, um, who was a horrible singles wrestler, <laughs> um, if you ever used him as such, but really cool character, I thought the whole, and he's got a storyline progression too, down the road, mm-hmm. but just a, a really cool character to kind of come in and you you could see that that he's with the gladiators, but you kind of wonder, well, if geez, if he was being held in a prison, uh, yeah, did, does he how much how much loyalty does he really have here? But uh really, really cool character, right? What was his distractor? An eight?
3: Yeah, yeah. which was so, I think the highest, right? At that time. Yeah. Cause Guile yeah. was a
1: seven, so so mm-hmm. this is a guy with the highest distractor rating out there. Yeah. So I mean, just a really important figure even though not a, a great wrestler, but a, an important figure in the history of the game at this point for sure.
0: I remember somebody asking uh Tom about that at, at Galacticon. And to, I just remember Tom's response was only the best for the gladiators.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh. All right, Stu. Didn't do a whole
2: lot with the guardsman. Um he I do remember the distractor rating now that Tim says that and he was uh effective in that role. Uh, as a wrestler I, I can't even remember his stats uh but i, I re- remember thinking he just wasn't all that good right. so n- no you know the guardsman was fine uh just uh, didn't use uh, didn't use the character a whole lot so i really don't have much in the way of memories of him other than i remember the drawing
3: Corey, yeah i was trying to remember if i ever used him as a wrestler um you know, and again like the, we said the stats very weak offense um defense is decent for a for a bodyguard character you know higher pin rating obviously very unique charts he's got all c's but then ring is a which makes sense for somebody affiliated with the gladiators Mm -hmm. um but yeah i remember too being very impressed by the the highest distractor rating at this time and um yeah like i said i I, i'm wondering if i ever even did use him as a wrestler I, i i probably did at some point um but i was big fan of his uh his later uh free diversion as fury and we'll, we'll talk about that down the line yeah i he, he
0: was he did fine i mean it's not gonna like push him as a singles character i'd have him maybe go in there and fight you know one of the the faces once in a while just to have him take a pounding and then you know get their way to mayhem or or whoever because of that but i'm um, not uh not somebody I used a whole lot. And of course the infamous bite to forehead was classic.
3: Um,
0: okay, Corey with Count Necros.
3: Yeah, so Count Necros here, I, I was kind of trying to remember some of the backstory. I reviewed the handbook here. Uh, he was a dictator from uh, from Draco and uh, I had forgotten you know how much of the vampire uh, mystique or gimmick uh, was was played up and it says, Uh, where let me find the line here um he legend has it you know it's not nobody knows but legend has it that necros is a member of a vampire race it is entirely possible especially since there are vampire legends throughout the cosmos necros name is spoken in whispers and his background is a mystery you've all seen vampires you've all seen vampires you're familiar with vampires yes um and you know i was kind of looking through my results here you know i was I don't know. I, I never got into this character that much initially. Um, now when we got the Randy Bugdale artwork, I, then I, then he kind of had a little second career for me and in, in my CPC. And, um, but I don't know. I just never got into this character a lot. The, the phantom dust gimmick was a little, little goofy for me with the invisible powder that, that the referee can't see that he can't, you know, he can't get disqualified, but the opponent gets blinded by this invisible powder and, um, you know but uh you know definitely a unique character you know we've got all these different people in the royal court all these different positions so now we needed a count uh so yeah definitely interesting character over time not one of my favorites never held any titles um i looked he he was part of the six-man tag team to champions but never tag team or, or any of the singles belts
0: okay stewart thoughts on count necros
2: Love Count Necros. He, he was another favorite of mine. I mean, I'm, I sound like a broken record, but I just like so many of these cards. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's become just kind of a favorite brawler for me. He's, he's never won a title to the best of my knowledge or best of my recollection. I don't think he has, but he has had some very memorable feuds. And he also has been part of one of my uh, most fun makeshift uh, tag teams with the Draconian Sheik uh Necros and the crony chic have been a whole lot of fun for me actually i take that back they did win the tag titles at one particular point in time so um that tag team is just so much fun they get dq just you know three quarters of every match they're in but uh as always not always but usually some blood and um just a lot of chicanery and i've always enjoyed that tag team i've always enjoyed count Necros, and i, I thought that was Maybe not the strongest drawing in the whole bunch, but I just really like the character for whatever reason. Tim, what do you think? Chad, about Chad who, did,
1: who, who did who uh, did Count Necros lose my my special matches title to? I think that was Exo King, wasn't it? It was King Lear. You're you correct? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. See, this is something I would ask Chad like 30 years ago, and he would remind me uh, when I when I he knew my fed history better than I knew my fed history. Um, I thought Necros was really cool. It was kind of a, an interesting addition to the game. Um, having that kind of vampire background thing was interesting, uh, kind of, you know, uh, horror movie-ish uh, mm-hmm. with that air, kind of an air of mystery about him as the dictator of this, this you know, this Draco, or this uh, this interesting kind of little, you know, thing that they kind of, Tom kind of, what? <laughs> it's a thing. So Count Necros had this interesting story that that Tom kind of came up with, you know, where he's the dictator and there's all these rumors about how he's killing people and doing stuff. So um, I I thought it was really kind of a cool character. And uh, and, and, uh, although he never did a lot for me either in singles and wasn't a big singles guy other than that uh, short uh, special matches title reign for me.
0: So I liked I liked him, but I liked everything about him except his finisher you know, this was the, yeah, like you said, Corey, the whole transparent, invisible powder.
1: It's like the green mist without being green.
0: Well, right. But I mean, I don't know. I just, to me, it should have been, he should have just had it be a DQ finisher and not be invisible. Um, You know, kind of like the same thing with with death mask and he'd press a button yes. on his helmet and the molecules would harden and he might get disqualified i'm like what it's yeah like he just loads the mask yeah and uh speaking to death mask those two became a, a good team for me in my cwa later and i think did i steal this name from you tim of rest in peace with those guys as a team or is that some, somebody else
1: i'm not sure maybe i came up with sounds, a sounds familiar else. but yeah so
0: Um and I like you, Corey. I I like the the Randy Bugdale. That was just awesome. So and now now he's back in the champions in the modern, modern day I forgot about stories. He's he's back. All right. Stuart, I'm getting close to the end. You're gonna talk to us about Tendron the Destroyer. An alien. Yeah, I know. I didn't even try
2: this. I'm so sorry. I I I think subconsciously you were giving me all the aliens. Um Tough card, uh, tough from a couple of standpoints, and that he could have some long matches. I mean, if you got him down, he had a five or eight five for a pin, so you could get him, you know, knock him out pretty quickly. But good gosh, getting him down was pretty tough, and his defense on one and level one and two, I think, was relatively good um didn't do a whole lot with him he was a brawler to me uh occasionally I'll still pull him out and just uh do some matches with him here or there nothing's really stuck I've never really done a program with him um the drawing was interesting I thought the drawing was pretty cool um but uh, to me not the strongest card in the set overall uh I think they were there were so many favorites in this set I didn't dislike Tendron I just it was kind of lukewarm on him uh, and, and maybe some of that was the fact that I just kept having these really long matches with him, so just couldn't couldn't get seem to get him out. But those are my impressions.
0: All right, that was a good impression of Tendron. I like that the way works. you made the snakes come out of your hair. Exactly. Uh, Only I
3: right.
0: could. Yeah. Corey, what did you think about Tendron?
3: Um, You know, I I couldn't remember much, but then I was looking at title histories and he and Tong Soon as the team of prison camp were Mm -hmm. interplanetary champs for three months. And then the memory started coming back. This was when Tong Soon was starting to have problems with the whole, you know, doomsayer camp and comrade terror dreadnought. Um, And and there was something in the booklet later um, where Tom said that Tong Soon wouldn't tag out as much because he wanted to be a single star. And I, mm-hmm. so I kind of played that up into their interplanetary reign, just kind of naturally just kind of worked out that way. And they, they had a good run. And then when they lost the belts, that's when Tong soon split. So that, so Tendron did kind of have a good, uh, or, you know, a part in this, in, in leading to Tong soon's, uh, uh, feud with, with comrade terror or dreadnought and becoming human again. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember that Tendron for me, you know, Stu mentioned the high pin rating, uh, ursa major's first win with his original card was over 10 drawn (laughs) oh my yeah yeah this game this game after the interplanetary reign so he had a a good tag team reign and then kind of worked down the card until he eventually left (laughs) um but uh no just yeah just a unique card i i kind of like the drawing but it was kind of one of those where it was almost a little bit hard to imagine him wrestling with the the snakes coming out of his head and all that but um no but it's no definitely i i like that the drawing and the feature played into the finisher um so that was that was that was cool all right tim so you you have a problem with
1: phantom dust but you don't have a problem with the smothering whose hair is alive yeah because of a a scalp transplant by well, doomsayer you know. yeah you know, that that, I mean, that finisher also got touche. me a little bit thanks for that tim yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know, I, I thought he was kind of a cool character. I I I didn't like the the pin being that high at first, but then I kind of understood. You know, okay, he's maybe not the most athletic of of individuals. Um, I thought the story was was kind of odd. Um, you know, I need a scalp transplant to live. My God, let me put this moving stuff uh, on me, your head. Let me let me sew an octopi to right. so. <laughs> So, uh, but, uh, you know, he never really had a lot of success, but I always really liked the team with him and Tong soon. I always thought Mm -hmm. they were, they were a fun team to use, but, um, as Stu said, you know, if you couldn't, if you couldn't get him on level three defense, I mean, it was going to, you might have a long match on your hands.
0: So Tendron, I agree. I I liked the character. I didn't mind the drawing, but I, again, I thought the finisher was a little wacky. Um, you know, he blocks a referees using his tentacles smothering opponent's face. I mean, so I, I said that he did like a rude awakening and maybe the tentacles would kind of, you know, get in his face, but it wasn't like intentional. I mean, I didn't really ever think that the, the you know, the tentacles were just weaving all over his skull and writhing and undulating, but I guess maybe uh, it's up to you promoter, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I liked him and he, he kind of served a purpose.
1: You know, I think the last three guys that, that we're talking about all had kind of questionable finishers, but yeah. Uh... Yeah
0: and then we close it out with another guy who again the finisher a little bit a little weird We'd whiplash with the dreaded thumb screw where he pulls on your thumb which I morphed into a Fujiwara armor. um but I loved the character I loved the drawing um, when I saw the drawing in the super report. I never thought it was executioner it didn't didn't cross my mind um and executioner is one of my favorites so this was a. Uh, uh, a great upgrade i love the backside beheading and the whole story behind that um yeah so and whiplash was was just a uh, fantastic character so uh tim i know you had a, a great love for whiplash and his later tag partner
1: oh yeah i mean i i i thought this was a, a really cool thing like you said no clue that when i saw the artwork i'm like no I, I, it's a new guy yeah um, yeah but then to see that it was executioner and it was, it was good and bad because I really liked that. I really liked whiplash, but I hated to see executioner go. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, backside beheading was like the, the coolest way to start a match if you could. I mean, if you hit mm-hmm. the, if you hit the rolls, um, I mean, had a great career for me as a tag wrestler with with darkos when darkos has got got his uh his singles card even though darkos had the high pin by god assassin Empire was like the most successful tag team i ever had mm-hmm. so um loved loved whiplash he's a he was a great one for me probably not probably about 50 50 as a singles guy but boy in tag teams he was he was a monster um so yeah love 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 the character love the whole backstory to it um I was, I was all in, even with the thumb, the thumb screw, which I thought was, although in reality, hurts like a mother if you try and do it. Oh, that. yeah, yeah. You know, but um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a little screwy for a wrestling finish.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe you could like, you know, see him holding the guy in like an uh, Ole Anderson arm bar where he's like straddling his arm while the guy's on all fours and he's pulling on the thumb, but just walking up and grabbing the thumb like a joystick. Not
3: sure about that. Corey. Well, I just have to say for me, the thumb screw was a, um, like a cross arm breaker, but he was pulling oh. on the thumb too. So that's oh, you know,
0: extended that. the hand.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So that's cause I'm like, well, yeah, the way it was written in the book, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this cause I love the whiplash character. I love the upgrade, but it's like, well, thumb screws, the name, I got to get the thumb in there somehow. So, you know, I was becoming a UFC fan I'm like, okay, he's going to do a cross arm breaker and pull on the thumb at the same time too. So, um, yeah, Tim mentioned the backside beheading. What an amazing move, um, you know, two level three moves on level one I mean nobody had that um you know obviously it had the the Darkos mechanic worked in there and I like that if Darkos wasn't there that it was an automatic reversal you know it wasn't just roll again on level one but he would try to do it to get cocky and miss and the opponent would take over um you know really cool upgrade a lot of a lot of little things to make his card a little bit tougher than executioner you first you kind of always expected with some of these upgrades that there'd be an automatic finisher increase which the rating didn't go up but you look at the overall card you know better pin rating um you know he had that we talked about with executioner being cursed by all those agility reversals right now his agility is better too just in general but then obviously the the agility reversals aren't aren't as big of a factor um yeah i just i love this card um singles he had got a got some shots at the galaxian title never won it um but had a good galaxian tag team title reign he started as executioner teaming with death mass they were they were nightmare um, and then it worked out that um when i started bringing in the 2091 cards is when he got his um his upgrade so I, I switched him over to whiplash um something that i didn't happen a lot where um somebody was champion got a new card and then i you know just kept it on the new card or they sw- switched cards that just didn't happen a lot looking at my history Uh, But this was the time that it did happen. It was kind of cool. They had about a about a three-month rain, which was a good rain uh at that time. Uh but yeah, definitely a really, really cool card, kind of an underrated card in the in the history of the GWF, in my opinion. Okay, Stu. I would agree on that underrated
2: card uh aspect, Corey. I mean, it's a pretty strong card um overall. Uh I, I really like the drawing too. I have tended to prefer Executioner over Whiplash, uh, and, and since I play Chrono style, I use the Executioner card for the, most, for the most part, but Whiplash was a definite upgrade, and you could almost use him as a separate character if you wanted to. Uh, there's enough differences there that you could uh, have some fun with that. He didn't, he should have done more for me in tags, but he didn't, uh, so... Uh, Overall, Whiplash didn't really materialize for me, either in singles uh, competition or in tag team competition. Uh, Executioner, that card has actually done better for me, but it was a very strong drawing and some novel concepts on it. I think it was a great idea.
0: You know, you spoke of having them as separate characters. One thing I did later um, after um, Whiplash had retired and became the Marcel Desaad character where he was a bodyguard um, I brought back the original executioner and whiplash cards and put them in the CWA and they were a tag team called the Sons of Desad. So they were, uh, uh, Desad managed them and they were, they are a pretty good tag team with each other. So I, I enjoyed that. They were not to be confused with the Sons of Sunny Stone. Team.
1: Completely different team. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: uh, the other thing we had was the war games concept where uh, the, the two kind of top teams on the hero and villain side the defenders of the galaxy and the federation defense fighters against the unholy alliance and the royal court faced off with uh you know they had tag teams they had special war games tag teams and they battled over points and they battled over war games championships did anyone ever bring in the war
1: games championships i never did nope. no no nope, i didn't either
3: yeah i was i was very excited when i heard about you know the war games that the just the title the theme i can even remember when you were playing chad and i was just kind of watching from the sidelines seeing the pwi ads and thinking oh war Games is cool i'm thinking the nwa match right um and then when i started actively playing you know i kind of read ahead and i'm like oh well you know i there wasn't much at stake so i just didn't didn't." (laughs) when you're when you're
1: playing it not in real time
3: yeah there yeah it it, kind of loses its uh
1: emphasis right
3: right so i i wasn't going to bring in a war games title just knowing that they were going to go away and kind of knowing that sudden death was coming later on you know i I didn't want um war games to sort of overshadow that so i just you know it's never never really factored into my storylines at all i don't know why I, i i mean do you know why
1: you didn't do it did you just not want to or
0: for me it involved math I'm just like, I don't want to keep track of math. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I I didn't, ha- I never had the belts either. I never really, I don't think I ever did any scoring or anything. I think the thing from this that left the most long lasting um, legacy in, in GWF was the introduction to the battle zone match.
1: The battle zone was big. I actually, that was yes. one of the last matches I ever ran in my, uh, my NWF, although yeah. I didn't yeah. call the battle zone. Or maybe I did call it a battle zone. I don't I, remember. I called it, it battle. <laughs> <laughs> the battle for the zone, something like that. Yeah. I've no, used I used it in the USWA and I, I just call it the battle zone. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, you know, I when when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool and you know, I mean, I go out of my way to do math. So right. uh this would have seemed to be right in my wheelhouse, but um because I wasn't playing a lot, I, I just figured, you know, I didn't wanna I, I didn't want to take the concept. I, I loved it. I thought it was a great idea. Mm-hmm um you know uh i i wasn't planning on sanctioning any other belts that part of it i, I don't think i would have done even if i had done the scoring i would have done the scoring but not the belts mm-hmm. but um yeah i just i i don't think i was playing a lot at that time and um and especially you know i mean that would have been the time when i would have had some some additional time to play because during the winter right, I was, the it would have been tax yeah. season so but um but yeah I, I never did it either and
0: i don't remember i mean i have the books right next to me did the whole points and belts and everything kind of carry forward into the next couple of sets or was that kind of like me i'm looking here let's
1: see i don't remember
0: Uh, i mean they updated the war games when chaos comes in
1: that's going to change that's going to change everything yeah Yeah. because in
0: 20 they updated the war games rosters to include you know the third force they're taking them on by themselves but um yeah i don't know i mean it's i mean i guess they're still having the war games but it just kind of seems like
3: it's not as much at stake really you know it's not as emphasized it seems like in the in the following sets and right. I, didn't, I didn't look ahead at the next two booklets but from what i remembered, it was just you know some more great new characters and updates but the whole war games concept seemed to kind of fade away a little bit after this first one yep. yeah
1: and, that's and, like okay. I, and I know yeah. I've said in the past, too, I mean, you know, th- this probably may have been my favorite game edition of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this is when it started getting a little unwieldy with the number of guys you had in your mm-hmm. Fed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you looked around at all the people you had, just getting them all a match here and there was was kind of tough.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah
0: yeah because even with the you know the revisions um start you know because 2090 you, did, you only had four new characters for, mm-hmm. and only three new wrestlers um but then you know there, there were some road we got one so we got two revisions in this set out of 12 so you know there's there's 10 more guys so yeah it is starting to kind of bulk up in terms of the um in terms of numbers now the next set is when tom goes to twice you know officially twice a year with 2092 but then i think he drops down to 10 cards
1: Yeah, right that and i think yeah. that's
0: tied to address the bloat
1: yeah and i mean then obviously you know we got we got sudden death coming up after this so yep mm-hmm. spoiler alerts so one one thing that's
0: funny in tom's kind of preamble in the beginning of the book he's like you can you know take the score to a, a hundred or five hundred or, or, or a thousand i'm like i would still be playing 2091 if i set for the uh the thousand point limit
1: yeah I'm, I'm, i might have made it to like 12 that would have that might have been my uh my, my, my point limit
0: now I are actually, you are start. you at war games 2091 yet in your redo tim
1: i am but because i'm bringing guys in on a staggered pace mm-hmm. it, it's kind of tough to do the the point system and yeah. i'm not and i'm kind of doing a little bit of my own thing like i had i had spike start off is a bad guy with the gladiators Mm-hmm. and then he's going to kind of change his tune you know a couple months down the road right um so i'm not exactly following everything so i i decided not to not to do the, the the war game scoring again for the you're ignoring it for the second time i am ignoring the war game scoring not once but twice all right very good very good well
0: promoters i mean you know like we said this is a, a much loved set there's a lot of great characters in there even if some of them are a little goofy with the finishers. We still still really have a lot of good uh, memories of these sets. So we'd be interested to hear from you what you think of War Games and, you know, put that in the in the notes when we post this on the discussion board. So uh, we just got a couple of things before we get to, to shout outs. Um, we have a question um, from L.A. Wraith. He asked, asked this in the um, thread on our last episode. How do you judge a wrestler? I feel like favoritism is something very big in wrestling. I'll use my favorite tag team as an example, Edge and Christian. There was someone to me who has a clearly better look, better wrestler, better talker. I would choose this person over the other and making the card given better stats. It's Christian. And to me, it's not even close. How do you take that into account when making a card? There are a lot of guys who get the benefit of a push they may not deserve. A lot of guys who are seen as top guys, but probably wouldn't amount to anything in another company. creating a card you take stuff like this into account or just go by this is the guy's a longer running champ he should just have a tough card
1: tim so i think there's one over overriding criteria when we're looking at how do we judge a wrestler yes and that's what kind of t-shirts are they wearing Oh, that is a great idea. Tim, please bestow this on us. You know, so, so if they're not wearing an Uncharted Territory podcast T-shirt, pin a five. You know, I mean, we're yeah. not, not going to screw around. No. I mean, luckily, you know, Luthes he was always sporting it, even before the podcast yes. uh, w- was a podcast. He knew because he was a visionary. He knew. So he, w- he went to TKOStore.com, T-E-E-K-O-Store.com. And got all his Uncharted Territory podcast merch. He gets t-shirts, you got sweatshirts, you got hoodies, you got the whole range. You know, Sam Fane's always chilly. Well, by God, Sam, go out there and, you know, get yourself a sweatshirt or a hoodie. Uh, for those of us like me who are always warm, that's why I'm sporting the t-shirt tonight. The, t-shirt. the Ramones version. Uh, so not that we would ever use the word Ramones because we could probably get sued for that but it, it was a band and they may have been in New York city in the late seventies,
0: gaba, gaba early
1: seventies. Exactly. So we've heard, <laughs> but, but, but that is the, the old, one and only criteria I think we should use in, in judging how, how strong a wrestler should be. Can, can I say something objectively speaking, somewhat objectively speaking, uh,
2: observing these guys do the card stats, uh, they, they base it on how that wrestler was, um, perceived of er, or perceived in a work sport, how how successful that wrestler was based on, based upon the works, the nature of the sport being worked. And uh, so if he was a champion, he was a world champion, he was a great champion. He's going to have a strong card. If he was a regional champion, he was less than that. And he was a curtain jerker. He's going to be pretty bad. So I, I think that these guys do a great job of doing that and basing it upon some semblance of if this was a real sport, this is where these guys
0: were positioned. Thank you, Stu. Well, thanks, Stu. checks in the mail.
2: Yeah.
0: Corey, do you have any thoughts about this? I, I have a response, but. Okay.
3: Um, you know, what kind of, Stu said something about, you know, how the wrestlers were pushed in, in, in their careers. And yeah, that's something that didn't really dawn on me until we started doing this. It's, you know, you look at guys who are considered like good workers and you're kind of tempted to give them good cards. Um, But you know, a guy like Red Bastine was a great worker for his time, and he has you know a good card, but not he's not the main event level, and nor should he be based on on where he was in, in his career. Um, as far as you know, with the question about favoritism, I think it's I think it's hard sometimes with with people that we really like not to make them too tough. Although I think with some of the Memphis characters, you know, that was one of my favorite sets just because I run a Memphis territory. um, and I, I didn't want to come across as, you know, making guys too tough. And so in some cases, I think I maybe initially had him a little too weak. Um, but, you know, as as we as the entire group looked at the cards, it's like, well, he doesn't need to be that weak. And I think one thing that really helps um, if you're doing a, a territorial system is the, um, the hometown advantage chart. And that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to include it for a like, guy like a Bill Dundee uh who wasn't a huge star i mean he was he was a star in other places but his biggest push was memphis and you know leaps and bounds above everywhere else he worked uh so you know if you want bill dundee to be strong in memphis and i've been using the hometown advantage for him in in my uswa the last few months um it is that that's one thing you could do where you know realistically in the big picture of legends not the toughest card but for what you want to do in a territory, that's where that, that chart can help. So, uh, there, you know, there's no perfect answer, but, uh, that's just kind of my, my ramblings. All right, Tim, you know,
1: I, I think a lot of it depends on, you know, you've got to look at, you've got to look at what kind of success they had, where they were Mm -hmm. on the cards. Mm -hmm. So a guy like, like Raka, who was never a world champion, but he was in the main event of everything Mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. so you got you can't say well you know he's a mid-card guy because he he never held the world title um you know there are a lot of great people that never held the world title and like cory said too you know sometimes you'll you'll find somebody that was a great worker or you perceive mm-hmm. them as a great worker and you want to kind of give them better stats but you kind of have to to you know rein it in a little bit mm-hmm. and i think you know when when we kind of go through the cards you know, because, because you should have seen that first version of Nick Bockwinkle that, uh, that Chad came up with.
0: Oh, please.
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, like my Johnny Powers card with, the right. with, with, you know, all finishers. Um, I, I mean, it, it just kind of, you know, I think one of the good things we have is our review process where we all kind of get together and talk through it, where we'll say, yeah, you know, is this guy a little bit too tough? Or is mm-hmm. this guy, you know, do, do we need to bump this guy up a little bit? Um, I, I mean, I think that, that plays a big part in it. Cause we all have different perspectives, especially when we're, you know, working on cards for guys we really liked where, where favoritism can kind of come in a little bit. Um, but I, 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 we try, you know, we, we probably, uh, I think, I think we hit more than we miss. Um, but, um, but it's tough. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing, but, um, but, you know, that's kind of how we, we go through it.
0: I think uh, Brad Armstrong would be a good example of a great worker who, yeah, Man, I was you would thinking love the same to see thing.
1: him do better, but
0: you know mm-hmm. what? He didn't, really. Yeah. Yes, Stuart?
2: I just want to add that if Paul Jones ever graces this game, he's going to have six finishers.
1: That's all.
0: Oh, my God. We'll make him a manager card first.
1: It's, it's the review process. We'll have to go through <laughs> the review process.
0: I mean, I think an interesting statement or sentence on this whole statement is there are a lot of guys that get the benefit of a push they may not deserve. That's very subjective to me. How right. do they not deserve it? Is it because they're an asshole? I mean, there's a lot of people who get far in life and they're fucking assholes. So, um, you know, case in point right here. Um, but uh, I, I guess, uh, again- I got it. you're hosting
1: a podcast. You're, you know you're, know, you're up there.
0: I know, I'm with Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's just, it, it's like Stuart said, it's a predetermined sport. So there's not, that whole bias is always mm-hmm. going to be in there. You know, there's always going to be somebody who said, Hey, they didn't deserve that. Cause they, you know, washed the promoter's car or something, or dated his daughter, or then they divorced his daughter, and, got his daughter. Un- <laughs> and then got unpushed.
1: Uh, Ilio DiPaolo. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. Way to, way to keep your spot on top. Marry the promoter's daughter.
0: Yeah. Triple H learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's just hard with this, um, you know, to take stuff like this into account or do you go, just, do we just, I'm air quoting, this guy was a longer running champ. He should just have a tough card. Yeah. That's kind of the metric. I mean, if you're, you know, Bruno San Martino from all accounts was very much a gentleman, so he deserved his push, but he's also champion for what? The first 13 years of 15 out of the company. I mean,
1: yeah, he was, he was, a, he was, he was the a world champ of, for eight years.
0: Yeah. But I mean, no, the total reigns, you know, you, um, and I'm not trying to make light of, of the question because I appreciate the thought put into it. But I, 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 to me, it's hard to quantify other than just, again, going into air quotes, looking at the record or the title reigns or anything or the drawing parlor, like a rocket you know, a quote unquote uncrowned world champion, that sort of thing, but very good question. And I, I hope it stimulates some conversation in the thread. Um, and then I saw a shop uh, uh, post in the Shop Talk thread by Jobber83. He said, I'm adding something to my Fed. I want everyone in my territory to have a shot at the singles title. So when an upset occurs where a 6-3 or even a 7-4 or even an 8-5 like a Tendron, uh, wins a title i'm going to lower their pin rating by one and each title defense will be lowered by one until we reach the floor of 4-1 now if the current champ already has a 4-1 without the modifier then they will start at 3-0 tag teams will have the same process for their championship each member will have their pin rating lowered until they individually reach four the 4-1 floor and anyone with a 4-1 already on their card will be a 3 if they their champ I mean, to me, that's a very interesting champion's advantage, a way to kind of give a little bit of a a lengthy title reign. Corey was so upset by this, he just fell off the podcast and he may have been disconnected. We'll see if he comes back. But uh, Tim, what do you think about this?
1: You know, I I guess it's it's interesting. I I never really I never ever in any of my feds ever used a a champion's advantage. Um, I know some people would would lower the pin by one or, or mm-hmm. come up with different things that they would do to kind of, uh, have longer title reigns. I, I guess it's just, I, I always had long title reigns just as is. So I, mm-hmm. I never did the modifiers. I mean, if it works for you, great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it, it, it's, it's your game, man. Once you, once you plunk the money down, you could do whatever you want. You could use all the cards as coasters if you want to. Um, but, um, I, you know, I, I, think it's, it's kind of a cool idea. Um, something that I probably wouldn't do because like I said, I've had, I've had great long title reigns without, you know, changing anything on the cards. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, but it's an interesting theory and an interesting way to kind of run your fed. So if you get a guy that's maybe got a seven, four pin out there, you know, talking about, you know, some of the, the guys that maybe don't have the, the great history or anything, it's an interesting way to kind of, because some of those guys probably had longer title runs in some territory somewhere. So, um, you know go for it still what do you think
2: and this could potentially play well in the style of fed that i run um in terms of the title tour and I've, I've thought about doing stuff not exactly like this uh and i haven't used i used champions advantage when i first started playing coming from the world of title belt where that game used the champions advantage but i haven't used it since <clears throat> and i've managed like tim to have some pretty lengthy title reigns uh just just playing as is the game as is with no house rules, but that's an interesting concept. Um, I, I'll, I hadn't seen that. I'll go and read, read that uh, post a little bit more in detail, but it, you know, that could work well. That could work well and if it could get you some lengthier title range for some of these seven, four, eight, five guys, like he was talking about. And I, I will say, I don't mind when somebody sneaks in that's quote unquote, not supposed to win the title. And wins it. I've got some some strange guys in my title history and and that's just fine. If it was a real sport, you're going to have that. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, I I think that's part of the excitement of the game when that stuff happens. So
0: kudos to you for doing it.
2: I think that's a great question for concept.
0: Yeah, I think I I guess if I were to use something like this, I might lower it by one and then that's it. I wouldn't keep reducing it. Um, I never did anything with the champion's advantage in in terms of like rolling two or three times for the pin i know some people did that the one thing i did with my tag teams and it's just because i like tag team wrestling more than singles wrestling is i gay what did i do when they would roll defensive tags i would reduce their roll by one so if they rolled a seven it really was a six so they tagged out um and greek gods tagged out on a roll of two to ten um <laughs> no but that, that's the only kind of thing i ever did um as a bonus so um but i yeah i think this is interesting like tim said you know it, it's your game if you want to do whatever you want to do that that's cool
1: there's a lot of people that have come up with some very interesting stuff mm-hmm. that i never would have even thought to do mm-hmm. and i think that shop talk you know thread i think that's pretty cool because there's a yeah. lot of and there's stuff in there that i would never do Right. But it's just cool to hear how people have done it and and yeah. really enjoy it and how it works for them. And I think that's, you know, we we all play the game a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could say you have no house rules, but then you go, oh, well, you know, except for this. Yeah. And, and right. well and, and this. Right. Well, and, th- and then this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, everybody plays the game differently. It's always fun to see what what other people come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as it's not too complicated for my simple mind to handle, I can I can dig it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I
0: agree. So, all right. Well, keep uh, keep shop talking. It's interesting. It's fun, and we'll uh, you know, pluck out some things that catch our eyes, and not pluck out our eyes. That would be kind of gross. Um, but yeah, uh, Corey did. Did you comment on this or were you logging in? You yeah. said you were doing a restart. I no, Who's your champion, Star Wars or Thanos?
3: <sighs> not that kind of restart. Oh, oh okay. sorry. Sorry for the confusion. I got to choose yeah. my words wisely. Yeah. Um, I kind of came in the middle of this, but I, I think you're talking about the Shop Talk thread and the champion's yeah. advantage. And I, I did comment on that. And this was actually an idea from Stu that I've used in my USWA for years now. Um, not so much a champion's advantage, but just to try to avoid... Quick title matches, fluke finishes, fluke title changes. Now they still happen, but um, the one rule I do for my in my USWA, my top three titles, so the world, the world tag team, and the Southern heavyweight titles, um, since those are typically the main events, but even if they aren't, I still use this rule. um, A match can't end by pin or submission until a wrestler has a pin of five, you know, incorporating the tokens and all that. And, uh, you know, you'll still get a match where somebody dominates and racks up the tokens quickly and and gets a strong win Mm -hmm. but this at least hopefully tries to extend it a little bit you know get some more competitive matches um and i'll occasionally use that rule for the mid-america title too once in a while um especially if it's a a long-running feud over the belt or or something like that um and even in once in a while in, in other main event matches even if they're not for the title it just you know kind of depends on the situation But again, that's just something that you know, just um, just kind of extends the matches. I will still do DQs or countouts can kind of occur at any time, just to Mm kind of keep that unpredictable element in there. Um, But that's just something that has kind of helped in my USWA um, with you know certain wrestlers having a little bit longer title reigns and hopefully uh, not getting those short reigns.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I like Mm -hmm. that
3: smart thinking, Stu. Yes, thank you, Stu.
0: You know, one thing I, I remember, and it's not really champions advantage, um, although I think we I remember it when when Tim and Steve Minskoff and I rolled a, a six-man tag team championship at Galacticon, we determined and everybody whoever won was gonna be the champ in all of our feds. Yeah. Um, with those six-man elimination rules, didn't we have a rule that no one could be eliminated
1: until everyone tagged every everybody had to appear in the match yeah yeah and i've used that ever since y'all told me about it yeah and i remember i was i was in back when tom was living in jamestown and i would go down to his house every now and then and we would we would play we'd come up with a card and then play the card out Mm -hmm. i mentioned that to him one time he says that that's really kind of a cool idea Mm mm-hmm um, and so I think in that, in, in, in the, I think we had a six, six man tag booked. And so in that match, we did that, 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 you know, you just keep adding tokens, but you wouldn't go for the pin. You know, if you rolled your finisher or a pin right. until every, all six people had been in the ring.
2: Yeah. That's
1: what So All right. You've answered my question. Cause
2: I haven't, haven't always done it, but so you do add the tokens when they, there is a pinfall attempt. You
1: just don't. Oh yeah. One. Right. You keep, you keep track of those, but, but you don't go for the actual pin until every single person has been, involved in the match got it that's cool
0: all right well i think we're all looking a little uh blurry eyed right now um so yeah Stuart is looks like a basset hound so we're gonna get uh wind
3: this thing down uh cory you got any shout outs yes thank you for asking and thanks again for hosting chad want to give attention to our fellow Phil Singer Games content providers. Of course, Sam, Mike, and Todd over at Roll Up, the official podcast of Phil Singer Games. Grant Pachoco and the Solar Promoter YouTube channel. He's had a lot of great content in the last couple of weeks with all the new cards uh, coming his way. Uh, Steve Tower at after further review, uh, Dave Little at Heartland Championship Wrestling, Lee Longpre in the Dizzy Dice podcast, Brock Atkinson at Brockster Builds, and Brock and Mike's Phil Singer Games character spotlight. So check out those promoters and their content for some additional talk about this great game. And other than that, just want to say thanks everybody for clicking, listening, and downloading. And we'll talk to you next week.
0: All right, Stu.
3: I just want to give a shout out to the to England
2: because nobody does pomp and circumstance like the british empire if you guys uh promoters watched any bit of king charles's coronation oh my gosh was that over the top that that is just spectacular and just i love watching the crowns going on king charles and camilla's heads to see if they were going to fall off and the odds of that were probably 50 50 at one particular point so it is just Absolutely fabulous! Watching this stuff, uh it's just dripping with ceremony. I used to just absolutely hate it. Now, now I really, really like it for whatever reason, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Denmark, you need to get your act together, brother, because you have got to catch up with England in terms of what you do for your royal family. And with that, I will say good
0: night, Denmark. Does Denmark have a royal family? Have we they discussed? Have this they have a queen. They have a
2: queen. There was some controversy not too long ago about. Perhaps uh, some titles being revoked, but I can't remember.
1: Mm, interesting. Were they war games titles? <laughs> they didn't they have, have the right points. Nobody wanted to use them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, failed. They, they, they were 17 points behind England, so they didn't exactly. get it.
2: Exactly. <laughs> they couldn't
0: catch up. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get it though, the last thousand points. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> All right, Tim. Oh, so I want to give a shout out to Major League Baseball, uh, my favorite, my favorite sport. Um, uh, currently, the uh, Oakland A's are on pace to win 35 games uh, in a 162-game season. The Tampa Bay Rays have 29 wins right now, so the Oakland A's are pretty stinky. Um, and uh, an interesting thing that I, I, I heard. So the potential is they're going to move to Las Vegas and guess where the Oakland A's triple a farm team is. Yes, that's correct. Las Vegas. They move into Oakland. So (laughs) I don't know if they just trade stadiums. I don't know how this works. Um, I just find it very interesting that, that you could have a a major league team in Las Vegas and their triple a team in Las Vegas. I mean, you know, it, it's just a quick cab ride if somebody gets called up or sent down. So yeah, um, just just an interesting little tidbit there. Um, other than that, I will uh, I, I will just thank everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, episode one thirty two will be back in an, in another week for you. All right, uh, I want to
0: thank everybody who took time to comment on episode one thirty one. Troy throwing toasters, uh, Lee, La Wraith. Pariah, Matt, the BMac, Bugram, and Sinestro twenty four. Now I got I got to tease Grant a little bit because the other night I had one of his um, YouTube videos on. I was watching my phone, and um, I don't know how this happens, but sometimes the closed captioning on my phone on YouTube just starts playing, and so I was reading that, and he uses a uh, program that automatically does makes the closed captioning. Um, and when he said his name was grandpa choco, it says, my name is grandpa choker, (laughs) which I thought was amazing. And I immediately texted him and told him how awesome that was. So I don't know, maybe that would like be a good, like, like it's Gulli, like, like a good horror show host, I'm Grandpa Choker or something, or it could be like a murderer, the Grandpa Choker who goes around <laughs> fucking nursing home. So yes, Tim,
1: You're, is that your new name is the Grandpa Choker? It is. Uh, uh, but I, I had so when I was working uh, back in the good old days, uh-huh. uh, we, we had a uh, a program that would transcribe voicemails. Oh, yeah. And so I had a client uh, named june turgeon who lived in in florida and when it came up on my screen it said hi tim it's a huge virgin from florida <laughs>
0: and you're like i'm booking my flight Excuse i I, me, I i told that's... i
1: called her and i told her that and i said i was ready to make my airline reservations i was, oh, I was, I was, I was down
0: <laughs> so on on my phone you know it'll translate voicemails and- oh yeah it's so funny because my friend troy peterson now you guys have all met him i tim you may be shocked wait don't don't go with tippy baby shocked. it it cannot translate troy's messages
2: i've got some folks like that
0: oh my god it's freaking amazing all right so uh this weekend going to St. Louis, St. Louis Hall of Fame. Jerry Briscoe is going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, Barry, I think, is going to be there. There going to be some other people there. I think um, uh, Michael Broad is going to make it down, hopefully, so we'll have a good time with that. Uh, just announced today, June 3rd at Mayhem Comics in Des Moines, Iowa, Icon. Eric is back to having that in person, first time since the the pandemic. I think there will also be a virtual aspect but uh, Icon June 3rd at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time at Mayhem Comics in Des Moines. So make it if you can. It'll be a good time. We'll be hanging out and, and playing Go Fight Pow and who knows what other chicanery we might get into. So with that, everyone have a good night. Have a good week. Be excellent to each other. Stay safe and be cool. And we'll talk to you next week on episode 133 of the Territory podcast. Peace out.
3: Hey, promoters, it's Corey again, and we would love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topic suggestions, or any other comments, and we might include your audio in a future episode of Uncharted Territory. There's two ways you can do it. You can go to tinyurl.com backslash uncter. Again, tinyurl.com
1: backslash
3: uncter. You can click the message button and record up to a one-minute message, and we can include that in a future episode. Or you can email us, either audio or a written question, at our email address, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. Again, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. Want to show your friends that you listen to Uncharted Territory? Well, head on over to our store at tkostore.com slash collection slash uncharted hyphen territory you can choose from a shirt or hoodie with travis heckle's great podcast cover artwork or a shirt with a design inspired by one of our favorite bands while there check out the other great merchandise at tko including shirts of several of the top mma fighters including bigfoot silva tim silvia ensign Inoue, and more need a shirt made for your event or organization Contact TKO, run by Philsinger Games promoter Justin Bulka, aka Pike Mojo, to place your order. Again, that's TKOstore.com. T-E-E-K-O Store.com. music recordings I forgot that that it still records before you're on and I was humming a tune before you came on <laughs> what I was humming a tune before you came on I forgot that it records without you now right so so it'll there'll be a recording of my humming
0: oh I was
3: wow. humming I was humming welcome back Cotter <laughs> nice.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 132. <laughs> what was so funny about that? Tim starts laughing. God,
2: man. I'm looking down. I didn't know you were ready.
3: I was like, no. yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, Talk about a cold start. Yeah, oh, damn. She's okay. Yeah, of doom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Plus seven. But go for it. And it only all right, all sorry Thank you for your blessing, Stu. Stuart, Stuart yeah, say that. the blessing. We have some decorum. Hit it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Epsoc. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Was, shut up! I'm trying to fucking
2: talk. And somebody's making noises.